Chapter Four of Bonne Marie. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Susanna Mason. Bonne Marie: A Tale of Normandy and Paris by Henry Jerville, translated by Mary Neal Sherwood. Chapter Four. Going to Market. The sun was just coming up above the high hills which environed the pretty valley of Almondville. The pastures where the tall, crisp grass was green and fresh from early spring until late autumn were lined with the shadows of the tall trees on the summit of the hill. Huge rocks of a soft grey, with patches of emerald green moss, and yellow and brown lichens sparkled with the dew that lay fresh upon them. Masses of heather, at this season of a sombre green, and in autumn of a rich growing purple, lay dark among the firs, which in that blessed country clothes as with the mantle of gold the most arid tracts of land. A light, yellow mist shrouded the poplars, whose leaves were just bursting forth while the willows had been in greater haste and were already clothed in their light green foliage. The hawthorn hedges were a mass of white blossoms, like a bridal bouquet, and wound along the high roads and up the hillside in every direction, they being the boundary lines of the fields and meadows. At the end of the valley rose an old mill, built of grey stone, which seemed to block up the road entirely, and to shut out this charming fertile valley scooped out as it were between two hills from any intercourse with the outer world it was midway in this valley that we again catch a glimpse of bonne marie in a short petticoat made of a striped woolen stuff woven in the village and wearing one of those little fluted caps which are so becoming to the girls of this part of the country bonne marie seemed to have forgotten her worldly aspirations and was a mere peasant going to the market at beaumont to buy her provisions for the week on the other side of the valley john baptiste was quietly loitering along sheltered by the hedge in the intense quiet of the country, at the especial hour of which we write, the slightest noise is heard in a great distance. A branch cracking attracted Marie's attention. She looked around and saw Jean-Baptiste watching her through a gap in the hedge. She waved her hand and smiled with a glance of girlish mockery, and the young fisherman withdrew hastily. At that moment a voice rang through the valley. Mademoiselle! Ah! Mademoiselle! Bonne Marie turned a little, a very little, and beheld the coast guard striding through the tall grass of the meadow near the mill. In order to avoid the inquisitive eyes and the long tongues of the villagers, Chamelot had taken the shortest, or rather, the most direct line. But the specious aphorism, which pronounces the most direct line to be also the shortest, had brought the coast guard to considerable grief already. Whoever has attempted to walk through a meadow near a mill can form any idea of what his troubles had been. The lovely green grass pleases the eye. One starts to cross it, and presently he finds that the green and velvety surface conceals at least a foot of water. Mademoiselle! Ah, mademoiselle! Bonne Marie walked a trifle more slowly, but she did not turn around. She swung her empty basket lightly by her side and enjoyed the peaceful scene about her. Charmelot fancied this conduct was the result of her girlish modesty and careful training. He struggled on to join her, but the water was growing deeper and deeper. He took the most enormous strides, and all at once there was a heavy thud. Mademoiselle Beslin knew instantly what had happened. Out of the corners of her eyes she saw her admirer struggling to his feet again, but she knew that his troubles were not over. Each step would bring him nearer and nearer the brook, which was completely hidden by overhanging grass and mint. Bonne Marie slackened her pace. The Coast Guard made a superhuman effort, but his feet slipped from under him, and he fell on all fours into the perfidious brook, accompanied by a sound of splashing water, which was very delicious, and quite in harmony with the cool freshness of the scene. Mademoiselle, ah, mademoiselle, wait for me. This plaintiff's entreaty at last touched the young girl's hard heart. She turned and looked at the pitiable figure before her with a calm, inquiring expression. He, with undaunted courage, had risen from his ignominious position, and leaping the brook, had last reached her side. 
Bonne Marie was sorely tempted to advise Chamelot to shake himself like a dog. Can this be you, Monsieur Chamelot? said the girl in a voice of light disdain. Where on earth have you been? Jean-Baptiste, as Bonne Marie well knew, was at this very moment enjoying the scene. I came to find you. I thought you would. Here the Coast Guard, exhausted by his struggles, now stopped to breathe and mopped his forehead with his handkerchief. You wish to go with me to Beaumont, perhaps? answered the coquette pitilessly. But it is not possible. Your dress, Monsieur Chamlot, your dress. Why on earth did you undertake to go through the meadows instead of going by the road like a Christian? How funny you look. She could no longer restrain herself, but burst into rippling laughter, every sound of which gladdened the heart of Jean-Baptiste, who, in his turn, shouted until the whole valley rang. Caught between these two fires, the Coast Guard turned first to one side, then to the other. He was covered from head to foot with water and earth, and the two young people had started off again in another paroxysm of mad hilarity. "'Good, very good,' muttered Chamelot, pale with rage. "'You shall pay me for this.' He turned away and took the same meadow path by which he had come, carrying very little now, of course, whether he went knee-deep into water or not. After looking after him for a minute, Bonne Marie shook her head, laughed a little more, and with a friendly nod to Jean-Baptiste, started off at a rapid pace towards Beaumont, and soon disappeared around the hill. End of chapter 4 Recording by Susanna Mason